of the Best of All Possible Podcast. Yay! That's nice. You represented there. Yeah. Shut up. You're not a goose yet. Oh, damn. <laughs> um, I am your host, Robert Weathers, and we here at Panglossian Productions in Williamsburg, Virginia, you know it, have a love for the weird. We love the unproduced and underproduced, and boy, do we love 10-minute plays. And we're going to have a brand new 10-minute play for you here tonight on a cold read that was submitted to us by someone like you, our loyal <laughs> listeners. Thanks, loyal listeners. You can't see the rainbow, but it's there. <laughs> Should we have a moment of silence? No, shut no. up. You're not introduced yet. <laughs> I want to introduce somebody else first. <laughs> our very special guest, Mr. David Catney. Oh, Thank you for having me on the show, Robert. Thank oh, you I'm glad much. to have you back. Last week was your very first episode. It was, it was, it was. And I, and I came back. That should tell you something about this oh, podcast, that I returned. Yes. <laughs> That's right. You hear that, our 30 subscribers? <laughs> you should tell someone else so we can get 31. I'm sure my, mom, my mom will easily be 31. That's not even funny. Oh, your mom's going to... That's great. Yeah. I'm excited about that. So, uh, Dave, we're at the part of the show where I ask you a question that is tangentially related to the play that we're about to read. All right. So, here's the question. Have you ever been on an actual picnic? An actual picnic? Oh, wow. I. You know what? I don't think I have, unless you include like eating outside when I was in Boy Scouts. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually been like an honest guy with the with the with the basket mm -hmm. and bringing the wine and all. So I don't think I've ever actually been on a picnic. I don't think so I have. I wonder. <laughs> would you, would you consider it to be an actual picnic if you didn't have a checkered cloth to sit on? You know what? I I think you just need a cloth. It doesn't have to be checkered. You need something that's durable that's gonna like not basically keep the crud off. But your you butt. still gotta tuck it into the basket, right? Well, yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That's so that Yogi Bear can seal it and seal your picnic basket. I mean, that's that's kind of. Sound logic. We like that here exactly. on the Best of All Possible Podcast. Well, thanks, Dave Cat. We're glad to have you here. Oh, by the way, we're on Dave Cat. Yes, yes, please, please. I'm a, me, and, me and Kurt were the only people clapping. That's all right. That's fine. I get that all the time. So today, today we're going to read a play called The Picnic by Mark Connick. And we have uh, two other actors joining us here to read through this. To my left is Loudmouth. You've heard already six times on the show. Welcome back, Kurt Smith. Oh, he's gone quiet. <laughs> he's crossed his arms with his special scarf. I ain't saying that. <laughs> yeah, got it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except for that. And that. And that. And cue the Looney Tunes music. <laughs> Kurt, welcome back. In all sincerity. Oh, that's great. Shut good up. to be here. All right, Sharon. Sharon Holland, you're back. Yay! 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 How's it going, Sharon? It's going. Have you ever been on an actual picnic? Yes, I have. With a blanket? With a blanket. And a basket? And a basket. And wine? Uh, and wine, and it was in a graveyard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hold on, we're not reading a play anymore. <laughs> t tell me about this. No, it was actually one of the first days with my husband. He put it all together, oh, and um, it was in a graveyard because it was actually a musical group playing in the graveyard. Oh, so. I was about to say, that is a that is a hard roll of the dice, and someone hit something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So what musical group was this? Uh, Coyote Run. Oh, I know every member of that band. <laughs> Personally, yes. That's not a joke. Wow. Yep, they were playing uh, at a, in a cemetery in New York town, and 
Huh. Lots of people. It was a big picnic. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're glad to have you all on the show here today. Uh, once again, we're going to read The Picnic by Mark Connick. And there's three characters in the play. So uh, I'm going to assign the roles here now. For those of you listening for the first time, this is a cold read. These guys have not read the play before. The only thing that they know is their cast, or who they are cast as. And so I'm going to let you know that now. Kurt, will you please be so kind as to read the part of Albert? Sharon, will you please read Helena? And Dave Cat, will you please read Norman? Part I was born to play. That's right. <laughs> I am going to read the stage directions, and I'm also going to read a brief statement about the play that the author has given us here on the front page. You can follow along with me if you'd like. <laughs> the play was inspired by two people I heard talking on the bus. They seemed like highly intelligent people, but their conversation was just going in circles, and not intelligent circles. It was oddly annoying and intriguing at the same time. Maybe I should have just turned my music back up and not listened on a private, in on a private conversation, but it was too hard not to listen. I kept waiting for something interesting to happen. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, The Picnic by Mark Connick. Albert and Helena are sitting on a picnic rug in the middle of the stage. They have a small backpack near them. I think we've sat here before. Have we? I remember the day. When have we sat here? Well, I can't remember. I just know that we've sat in this exact spot before. Does it matter? I don't know if I want to sit somewhere we've sat before. It doesn't bother me. Must have been a good picnic because we came back. Hmm. Then maybe we should stay here. We must have had a good time. They both get comfortable. I'm hungry. What do you have to eat? All sorts of things. Sandwiches? Not those type of things. What then? Other things. Well, I like sandwiches. We should have brought some sandwiches. <laughs> there was ham in the fridge. It's not really time to eat yet. But I'm hungry now. But it's not lunchtime yet. If we eat our food now, then there'll be nothing to eat for lunch. Who decides when lunchtime is? I do. Oh, wow. That's a pretty big job. One of the most important jobs of my assigned duties. And what about dinner? Who's in charge of what time dinner is? That is none of our concern. We just have to know what, that it's not time for lunch. But I want to eat now. Just enjoy the sun for a while. What's there to enjoy about the sun? It's a fact. You need to enjoy the sun. I hate the sun. There's nothing to hate about the sun. It's always so hot. Just sit down and enjoy the sun. Jumping with gusto. Okay, it's lunch. Time to eat. But I just got comfortable. I was just enjoying the sun. Forget the sun. It's just a ball of fire and gas. It's lunchtime. <laughs> she opens the rucksack, looking in the bag, puts her head right inside the bag. The bag's empty. What do you mean the bag is empty? There's nothing inside. What? Nothing at all? Not a thing. My God, there's a thief. There's a thief. There's a thief! 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 Helena's looking around. There, there's a thief here! A dirty thief in the group! She's pointing at Albert. Did you take the lunch? All you've talked about was being hungry. You knew a lot about sandwiches. You knew that ham goes on them. You must have taken the lunch. You were the one that was hungry. No, I didn't take the lunch. I was just waiting for lunch. I was waiting in this hot, unforgiving sun. My God, it's so hot out here. Oh, how I hate the sun. It's burning my skin. You took the lunch. It wasn't me. I didn't take the lunch. You must believe me. I'm still so hungry. I couldn't have taken the lunch. Helena switches her train of thought. The bag was light, 
when we were walking here. Thought maybe there was nothing in it. I just thought I was getting stronger. I don't remember packing any lunch. Did you pack some lunch in the bag? No, I thought you did. I thought you did. I was sure you did. I did no such thing. Well, we still need to be careful. What? We still need to be careful. I heard a siren before. What? I didn't get that. <laughs> it was a close call. I still think there are thieves about. Well, luckily, we didn't bring any lunch. It would have been stolen. This place could be crawling with thieves. But while we're here together, we're fine. Nothing to get us here. Nothing to bother us here. No, what are we going to do? We don't have anything to eat. We can enjoy the sun. If we're going to sit around in the sun, we need some sustenance. Maybe we could steal some food. I brought a knife. We need to be careful. I heard that people are on the lookout for thieves. Well, who? <laughs> <laughs> Whose turn is it to pack lunch tomorrow? I think it's yours. No, I thought it was yours. Oh, forget it. We'll sort it out tomorrow. We have to stop thinking about lunch. Lunch is gone. There will never be lunch again. <laughs> do you know any games we can play? We have to do something if we haven't any lunch. Oh. I only know games that you can play in the rain. Mm, difficult to play today. Can they be changed to play in the sun? Because I know where there's some sun. No. These are rain-only games. Can't be played in the sun. It's against the rules. Rules are rules. This is the worst picnic I've ever been on. <laughs> then I've changed this from a picnic to us just sitting in the park. We weren't meant to have lunch here today. We're not on a picnic. We're just sitting in the park. Oh. No need to be hungry because yeah. we're not on a picnic. <laughs> Amazing. I'm not hungry anymore. That's because you're not on a picnic. Helena and Albert go back to relaxing on the blanket. <sighs> from the side of the stage runs Norman. Or, yeah, runs Norman. He's dressed in a business suit but with bare feet. His shirt is untucked and his tie is tied around his head. He runs screaming from one side of the stage to the other. Albert and Helena sit up startled. Norman runs back across the stage, screaming. Albert and Helena pick up the rug and hide underneath it. They peer out from under the rug. What was that? Thieves! From behind the stage, Norman starts to walk towards Albert and Helena. They don't realize that he's walking towards them. He creeps up behind them and screams at them. Ah! What do you want? <laughs> We've we, we nothing to give. We don't have any lunch. Don't come near us. No, what are you doing here? No, I've got a knife. If you come closer, I'll get you. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Ah, uh, you've got a tie stuck in your head. It's war out there, haven't you heard? We're having a picnic. But we didn't bring any food. You can't have a picnic without any food. It means that all we're doing here is just sitting here. I, I, we thought we brought a sandwich. You look so hungry. I can feel my stomach starting to shrivel. You're going to fade into nothing. Look at his face. What's the matter with my face? You look hungry. He's squeezing his cheeks. You've got no color in your face. You're pale as a ghost. Who are you to tell us how we look? My face does not feel like it has no color. I feel pale. I feel like I'm going to faint. I feel like I need something to eat. Your face is fine. I know where you can get some food. Where? Have you got some with you? We're not that hungry. We've got ham in the fridge at home. In the city? There's food everywhere in the city. The shops are full of food. People are just taking it. Uh, well, how much?
much food is that? <laughs> as much as you can carry. They've just broken into a hamburger shop. People are taking all the hamburgers. There's as much soft drink as you can drink. Someone filled up a bucket. Yeah, but we haven't got any money. You don't need any money. Everything is for free. I can take you there. Can you take me there now? You're not going. None of the food will be free. He can go. You, you don't have to go. You're not that hungry. We can have something at home. I could make some soup. I could put up some potatoes from the garden. We're not going home soon. It's too early to go home. We can go home now. But I'm not hungry. Oh, but I'm hungry now. We can bring enough for you. Will there be enough for her? Definitely. But if we don't leave now, there'll be nothing left. I'm not going. Stay here and enjoy the sun. I just thought of some games we could play in the sun. We could play tips or throw an invisible frisbee. I'll bring you back something. I'll take the bag and bring you some food back. You can wear my tie. You need protection. Norman puts the tie around Albert's head. From me? Let's go. I'll be waiting here for you. Don't be long. Why don't you come? There's not going to be any food. I'll bring you some hamburgers with, with, with tomato sauce. I know you like that. Come on, we need to go. Norman and Albert leave the stage. Helena sits for a while, then decides to walk off in the opposite direction of Norman and Albert, leaving the blanket. After a short while, Norman returns to the stage, dragging Albert by his legs. Albert looks dead. He brings him near the blanket and covers him with he brings him near the blanket and covers him with the blanket. Norman takes the tie off Albert and puts it in his pocket and leaves the stage. After a while, Helena comes back onto the stage. She's wary of what's under the blanket and stalks around it. She goes and has a look under the blanket and notices that it's Albert and tries to wake him. Albert! Albert! What happened to you? Albert, what happened? She's shaking him. What happened to you? Wake up! She's afraid he's dead. What did he do? She takes the blanket, makes a pillow, and puts it under Albert's head. What did he do to you? What's the matter? Wake up! What's happened to you? Albert! Albert! <laughs> Sit straight up. They thought I was dead. I thought you were dead. But I'm not. <laughs> what happened? All the food was gone when we got there. There were only radishes left, the worst of all the vegetables. What did you do? What happened to the people? Now look what I took. He takes out two carrots from his pocket. You said there were only radishes. You know, he dragged me all the way. I thought it might have been a game until he kicked me, and then he punched me. He punched you? Everyone was punching everyone. Well, what did you do? I got someone with my knife. Did you kick him too? You want a carrot? I hate carrots. Me too. He throws them off the stage. I'm so glad you came back. Helena takes the blanket and sets it out again. They both sit on the blanket. <sighs> I think we've sat here before. Have we? I remember the day. When we've sat here? I can't remember. I just know that we've sat in this exact spot before. Does it matter? I don't know if I want to sit somewhere we've sat before. It doesn't bother me. Must have been a good picnic because we came back. Well, then maybe we should stay here. We must have had a good time. They both get comfortable. I'm hungry. What do we have to eat? All sorts of things. Sandwiches? Not those type of things. What then? Other things. The lights fade as they're talking. The end. Hey! <laughs> <laughs>
certainly goes in circles. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Wow. Well, thanks, everybody. That was an awesome read. We're going to enter into the part of the show now where we have a brief discussion about the play that we just read. And I want to start with our first impressions about the play. Uh, Sharon, you have a, an interesting look I'm on your processing. face. Oh, she's processing. All right, so we'll start with our special guest, Dave Kent. Oh, yes. what, what are your first impressions about the play? What did you like? Uh, Not like anything up front? Uh, well, it's got a real strong Beckett feeling. Um, at Samuel Beckett, waiting for Godot, very much so. I got that right up, right up front with a lot of the dialogue. Yeah, I think you're right. And there was a lot. It, it really, very much is that nature of things where, really, like nothing is going on. So it was like it was like halfway in between for me, like halfway between, you know, waiting for Godot and like an episode of Seinfeld. Um, really, is the, what, the feeling that I got from it. T tell me more about the Seinfeld. What do you mean? Well, it, Seinfeld's the show about nothing. Sure. <laughs> this is a play about nothing where something random happens in the middle. And then it goes back to normal. And it turns out to be totally meaningless. Completely <laughs> meaningless, yes. So that's the feeling that I got from it. It's, you know, this is just, somebody comes in, something kooky happens with a the, with the one-off character, and then mm -hmm. gone. Um, that's just the feeling that I got from it, personally. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's really, it seems like it's, it's, it would be very reliant upon the actors to get everything done. Uh, right. Sure, all right. Play. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Sharon? Still processing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. yeah, it's, 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 it's 98, 99. It was funny, yeah, but buffering. generally speaking, it's not my cup of tea. I'm, I'm not really into the Beckett-esque. Mm -hmm. I, I just made up a word. Beckett-esque, you say? Yes, it's his Polish cousin. Um, Beckett-esque. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and Seinfeld sort of thing was never really my. Mm. Uh -huh. It was funny to have to love the sun. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that was yeah. I thought that was really clever uh, and, and, and mm -hmm. funny, you know, pretty, very well written. Especially the part about loving the sun yeah. and then the sun being too much, right? With uh, yeah. for for poor Kurt slash Albert over here. Yeah. Wait, any first thoughts, Kurt? Um, I I mean I I, I agree. It's it's Beckedesky. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and very yeah, I, I think Dave, you're you're right. It's it's Seinfeldy too. I, I, so I think the challenge then for the actors is to imbue these things with more mm -hmm. um, force and more importance and yeah. more stakes than are actually there, mm -hmm. um, which Seinfeld does really well. Yeah. And so do, so does Beck. I, I I got to see uh, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart doing Waiting for Godot, oh. and oh, I had read the play before <laughs> and I didn't like it. Sure. But I saw them, and I was like, "Oh my God, this is yeah. this is brilliant stuff." So I I think a play like this has to have um, a decent amount of um, workshop time to to find <laughs> where the shifts are and where the meaning is. I have to say, hats off uh, to the readers and also to Mark Connick. Uh, because it felt like listening to it that the stakes were really pretty high, mm. even just on this cold read, um, and not just because of not just because of the volume, but with the general intensity that was given, uh, and and but and, you know not just but not just the intensity, but the retracting of that, and you know the areas of calm calmness within the script as well. I think you found many of them, and it was really important. Uh, if you stay obviously at a heightened place too long. It no longer becomes interesting. Yeah, and I, I think I was feeling that. 
at some points throughout, I was like, you know, we no longer have anywhere else to go, so we have to drop it back down at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, a second read, and that's what, what rehearsal is about, is mm -hmm. finding where you can build and then where you can relieve the pressure so that you can build again. Um, uh, that for me, I think would be an interesting next read for this play. I, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. I think there's yeah. a lot to mine here. I think a lot of that was naturally built in. So, yay, mm -hmm. Mark. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yay, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yay, Mark. Good job, yeah. Mark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great job. It's a really. Well I, I, I have, I have a question that, that that's sort of an acting theory question for the table here. Do you think that the moment before matters in plays like this? Does it matter what you were doing? No. No? You don't no. think so? No. In, in this play, no. In other plays, yes. But in this one, no. Anything off the top of your head that you can give an example about? Uh, for, uh, for example, Waiting for Gatto. Does it matter what Didi and Gogo are doing in the moment before in Waiting for Gatto? No, because they're about to explain everything that they're going to do on stage. And why they're there. So that's, that's why. So in this play, it gets the same feeling where that doesn't matter. But in other plays, it totally does matter like what you were doing right beforehand. So that you can build up your performance. Sorry. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. I, I was going to interrupt you. I, I think I should clarify. I think it doesn't matter exactly what you're doing because sure. of its cyclic nature. Mm -hmm. I think it matters that you have um, the motivation or the impetus behind it. Right? So clearly uh -huh. at the end here, we're mm -hmm. circling back, back to the beginning. Back up front, right. Right? So if we can just bring the impetus at the forefront, we don't have to know their backstory coming in. We don't have to see. It's not death of a salesman. Right, right, right. Um, it's something different, but I think I think the importance and the energy is important coming into it. You have to begin. You can't warm up in the middle of certainly a ten minute play or any play. Oh play. yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, de de well, certainly time the time constraint. Um, any thoughts on that, Sharon? Uh, I have to agree. I don't think in this play it matters. I think in this play it really can't matter. Uh huh. Yeah. Because you go back to where you started, and yeah. so the problem would be if, if we come out of that heightened middle towards the end section and go into that in the beginning, then there's no place for it to go. So, yeah. how, so how specifically would you say that you, you would uh, inject that impetus here? Uh, my, my, my first thought, and something that's cyclical, is to think weariness. But I'm not sure that that would work necessarily in this play, because they don't seem to be weary of where they are. Well, you mm. know what day it is, Robert. It is. It is. Oh, oh we're, wow. We're recording this on Groundhog Day, by the way. <laughs> Six more weeks of winter, my butt. <laughs> Thank you, Poxitani Phil. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Uh, our stage manager, Rachel, just gave me the two-minute sign. Either that or she said something very rude in British. <laughs> so, um, I have a question for you about the note. I read the note about the statement about the play. And uh, so, does the author's note about these being intelligent people flavor this for you? Uh, did, it, did it influence how you read this? Were you thinking about that at all? No, Kurt says no. Uh, no. Maybe a second time I would try to incorporate that more, but I was just reading. Sure, sure. Yeah, when mm -hmm. you said the note, I, I was reminded of an incident I had on the uh, metro in D.C. with my husband and the uh, a group of guys who were obviously very intelligent, very well educated, were having a conversation that just was A, going nowhere, and B, made no sense. Uh -huh. And it wasn't that I was more stupid than they were, <laughs> not that it didn't make more right. sense. It's just the there. conversation <laughs> just didn't make sense. Mm. And it, so I felt like when it, when I heard that note, I felt like, been there. Right. So. 
Any thoughts on that, Dave Cat? Um, well, I kind of played the wild card in this show, so I mean, it's it, it really yeah, you, it, it didn't really flavor anything other than like you know that he's coming in, in a suit and tie with a tie around his head with no with no shoes and socks on. So he, yeah, that alone I, is gonna. I I want to have another podcast about what the hell your character was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, there was a the moment fact. after you walked in, and I was like, wait, they're in a post-apocalyptic society. Like, I was like, there's no food, there's no what. Well, yeah. the playwright is Australian. Just want to throw that out. Mad Max, anyone? Anyone? Oh, yeah. that's where you're going with that. Oh. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, that, that was good. You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just got the swirly symbol of death. One, one last question. At what point in reading this, uh, and this was the first time you read it, as we established earlier, so I think this is a fair question. At what point did you realize that this was going nowhere? Within the first couple of lines. The first few lines, just because familiar, but then again, familiarity with Beckett and Ionesco, because that's what they're placed in, mm-hmm. in one circles. Any thoughts on that, Kirk? I don't know. Maybe maybe my ears are slow, or maybe my brain is, or I'm not as smart as the people this play was written for. But uh, it wasn't really for me until the end because things changed, right? I mean, they talk sure. a little bit about food and a little bit about sun and, and kind of a recurring nature, but really at the end, and you're like, oh, okay, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. I think for me, uh, I think for me, it was the sun business that really struck that home to me. That nothing is actually going to happen here because he's not even getting out of the sun, even though it's bothering him so. Uh, he's just staying my, there. My sensitive skin. That's your very sensitive, your very sensitive skin. <laughs> well, you guys, I want to thank you for coming out here onto the show and for reading uh, the picnic with us. We want to make sure that we thank Mark Connick for his awesome work. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. And of course, we want to thank Lauren Watkins and Zodiac Productions. Thank you, Lauren. We uh, want to make sure that you hit that subscribe button so you get a brand new play every week. And make sure that you're visiting our new Facebook page. It's the Best of All Possible Podcast. Make sure you follow us there so that you can get updates about the show. And if you have questions or about the play or about or that you want to put to the author, make sure you put them there and we'll do our best to answer them for you. If you'd like to submit a play yourself for consideration, send it in a PDF file to literary at panglossian.org and we'll make sure that we read it and consider it for the show. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you again next week. Bye, everybody. Yay! 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 Yay!